We're excited to be moving into season two of Trust Tree Talks. The timing seemed good to wrap up our first season. So much has changed since we launched this podcast. The obvious, the pandemic, the economic collapse, and the racial reckoning, and all of the ripple effects from these monumental changes. Our lives have shifted, and we know all of yours have too. We're spending this season exploring how a new normal might unfold and adding tools to our toolbox for coping and growing in this new chapter for all of us. Women who are innovating and finding new pathways forward will be sharing their stories with us. Since our founding, we've tried to embody the Reese Witherspoon quote, we are changing the stories by changing the storytellers. We intend to highlight the extraordinary stories found in every woman. We're coming to you today from our very own homes as we continue to practice physical distancing in light of the ongoing pandemic. We're excited to get started with our second season of Trust Tree Talks. You can check us out at trusttreegroup.com. All our links are there and we're continuing to evolve who we are, what we do and how we do it. We'd love it if you subscribe to our podcast, if you share our podcast with your friends. We have a newsletter that we'll be pushing out where you can find a lot of really cool shit. So stay tuned. Follow us on social media. We have candles and more, but you can only find it if you check us out at trusttreegroup.com. Everyone is uncomfortable. We're uncomfortable as moms having to make decisions about how our kids are going to go to school. We're uncomfortable about whether we wear masks how to protect ourselves given a health pandemic. We're uncomfortable about what we say. We don't want to offend other people. Yeah, Lisa, you're absolutely right, though. All of those things, nothing is settled right now. Everything's up for grabs. And I love that you're feeling that leaning into the moment of just owning it and being like, yep, everything's uncomfortable. But expanding into that instead of kind of, I feel like last season... In particular, I was like, oh, this podcasting so uncomfortable. Oh, like, I feel so weird. I don't know how this is going to come out. And I do feel so much more this season of like, yep, it's uncomfortable. Yep, I'm sweating. Yep, I'm doing it anyway. It's a podcast day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, it sign me up. What are we doing the next one? Yeah. Like, it's not this like, eh. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, maybe we'll do a couple more just see if we can get better at it. It's like, nope. That plays into that message we've tried to give repeatedly of like not playing small and expanding into the breadth of who you are. But I haven't been living that. That just feels so excusey now. Like looking back last season, like, oh, I'm so uncomfortable. Like, don't judge me because I'm uncomfortable. Now it's, it just feels like, yeah, screw it. Like, <laughs> go ahead and judge me. I don't care. What are you doing that challenges you? Which I think is one of the things we're trying to do is we're trying to challenge status norm. We're trying to challenge being comfortable. When I think about it, it has had such an Alice in Wonderland like quality to the last four months where and in the falling down the rabbit hole kind of way, not the cool. Well, I guess it's kind of been like, when I eat the mushroom, I have been getting way bigger. I just haven't found any potion that makes me way smaller. But just like falling down that rabbit hole and not feeling like you can get any purchase or getting your feet underneath you because every time you kind of create a new baseline of normal, something else falls out and you've got to pivot. Like I 
feel like at the beginning of this, we thought we were challenged by online school. And now that seems like kind of like a sweet thing to be concerned about (laughs) because it's just gotten so much bigger. We are absolutely in this like very strange moment that is kind of this new wonderland. And I think for us, we are embracing it and we're stepping into it rather than trying to go back home. Now I'm embracing it. I would say I spent the first several months fighting it, trying to like go back to normal. Like, well, if this happens then we can go back to normal and if that happens then we can go back to normal and there's no normal to go back to, which it's frustrating to me as a lesson because I thought I learned that lesson when I got sick several years ago. Like my goal for so long was I'm going to be normal. I want to go back to normal. I want to eat normally. I want to go about my day like I normally do. Like I had this whole goal of normal and it took me way longer than it should have to understand that there was no normal to go back to, that all I could do was move forward and move into a new space and establish new habits, a new lifestyle, new, like everything needed to be up for renegotiation or elimination or change. Cause I wasn't going to go back to how I was. I wasn't going to go back to that lifestyle. That life didn't exist anymore. So for me to go through several months of this still in that I don't know if you'd call it a loop of wanting to get back to normal or just um, a longing to go back to normal. But when I finally was like, oh, oh, okay. Like this is exactly what you've been through before. You're not going to go back to normal. There's no, like it's blown up. I mean, like it just literally doesn't exist any longer. Like I can't, I think about shaking someone's hand now and I'm like, ugh. Like, I don't know when I'm ever going to want to behave like I did before. I mean, it's all just new territory. So I will say that I'm joining you now in facing forward, but it has been, you can probably see the fingernail marks as I'm being dragged (laughs) into this new normal because I did not want this amount of change to happen. I mean, who does? Elizabeth, you were talking about this whole concept of getting back to normal. And it makes me think for a moment that we actually want to go back to where we've been as opposed to transform and look forward and become something better than where we were. And and I too have been in this mode of as soon as we can hop on an airplane, I am out of here. Like, I am off to palm trees and my feet in the ocean. And I'm recognizing that there's a huge opportunity in what is to come if we're open to embracing what is this this new way of living. And it is a way of living. I'm not a cook. I've never been a cook. I recognize after three months of exactly the same food because we're not going to go back to restaurants in the same way and I can only do so much takeout that I've got to figure out how to show up and cook meals for my family that is outside of any sort of breakfast food like french toast and waffles and pancakes and I'm really excited I'm using HelloFresh 
it gets there, all of the ingredients, because my biggest frustration is that I don't know where in which aisle in this grocery store I can find whatever missing ingredient I have. And I am making meals I've never made before that taste awesome. And I would never have done that if we hadn't gotten to a point where we're three months into hot dogs and chicken nuggets and mac and cheese, right? So one, we need to evolve from preschool food and we need to also, <laughs> right? Like start to actually reset how our family comes together at night for dinner and, and what that looks like. And for me, it's been two nights a week cooking something completely different than I would have ever tried or known how to try. And I don't want to go back to working until six o'clock in an office or at a client's office and then come home and on my way home, stop and pick up food. So I've been trying to stop and reflect and think what is new and better than what was the norm I've been so desperately clinging to try to get back to. That's so wise. No one else is going to make that change but you. So what are you going to do about it if you don't like what's happening right now? and we're not going back to the same norm. How do you step into this moment? And so that was my little, little solution to something that has turned out to be this really very cool thing for our family that I'm really proud of. Has it changed how you physically eat dinner? It has in some ways. So we have this ritual that uh, has continued and every night, whether it's on a TV tray in front of the television, or it's at the actual kitchen table, we have to give our threes. Mm. We've had some real struggles this last three months as it relates to my husband's health. And sometimes he's only been able to come up with one, but you have to be able to share the three things that were positive from the day. Sometimes it's hard to come up with three things when you've been in the house all day long. And so we've allowed some stretching, like I just finished a really awesome show where (laughs) (laughs) this happened. But for the most part, we've been able to come up with those threes. And what I find is, is if we engage in that conversation, what's your three, then it takes the entire time to eat the meal. So there isn't this instinct of let's turn on a show and not dialogue. Instead, it becomes a conversation about why you chose those three. But so much of our three was around eating out together, which was also fascinating. So food is a big thing in our house. And Chris, you know, you said it so well that it is not the freshman 15. It's the COVID-19, literally, at our house. But you know, my daughter and my husband would go out to breakfast three times a week before school. When you're not going to school and school is literally you get up from bed and there's your desk (laughs) and that's the commute, it's really changed how they interact as well. And so the dinner time has become much more pivotal. And what's been really awesome, I never was a part of breakfast because I was, that was a great opportunity for me to to get to work early. Now I'm really a part of the one time we're all gathering together to reflect on what's been good for the day, as opposed to what do we hope the day will bring. We're able to really um, kind of focus on what went well. And, and then it generally leads to what tomorrow's going to look like. But the food piece, the gathering and breaking bread together is a major component of, I think, how we connect. And that's changed so significantly with COVID. 
I'm happy with our new norm and it has created new cultural dynamics at our house, which are good. I love that. I love that. I wondered about, you know, women like you with, um, when you're in the middle of your career and really going like full force on your career, and then this happens, how much of the new pace have you adopted? Is there any longing for you to adjust so that you have a different pace moving forward. When I think about your life, I think about like 120 miles an hour constantly. I think that way because that was my life at one point. So like I, I empathize, I understand you were at capacity all the time trying to juggle everything, trying to meet all these expectations and obligations. And I've certainly never had the wherewithal in the middle of that to take a moment and think, maybe I don't want this life that I've built to be, to look exactly like this and maybe I could change it. So has COVID given you, COVID and all the other ripple effects of COVID given you a chance to drill down on that? Because I know you're going like 90 in a different way. I know uh, with your husband's health challenges that paralleled COVID in a fucked up chain of events, Lise. Um, <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs> yep. Have you had that moment of crisis? Well, so I had reached that crisis point a couple of years ago, and that is when I reached out to you and I had the midlife crisis. So I feel much more capable of managing COVID given I had the complete meltdown of leaving my job and what I believed to be my family and where I belonged and all of the emotions of that and trying to come up with my identity and create something that was enough to make the house payment. That journey was two years and you were right there in step with me, holding my hand that entire time. And I, I believe that had I not done that, and if I had not grown and had those skills and used those muscles, I would not have been able to manage COVID in the way that I needed to because we had 95% of our contracts go on hold indefinitely. So how do you do business development over Zoom? It's certainly not natural and it's not that relationship matters kind of approach. You can't sit down and have coffee and hear somebody else's story, which I've said multiple times on this podcast, how much I value that. It feels very transactional. It doesn't feel authentic. And so reinventing has also allowed me to just recognize I don't control this. And oh my gosh, what else is coming next that I have no ability to foreshadow or prepare for? And I just have to embrace that tomorrow will bring what tomorrow brings and things that used to get me really like jacked up and angry and bitter I, I, I have no control over like my ability to manage technology is not fantastic and you know what it is what it is like I can't do anything else about it and I'm just I'm going to show up and be present and try my best so I think I have been better prepared than I would have been had you and I not reconnected, had I not heard your story, had I not really in my heart heard the health issues 
that came as a result of you saying, peace out, I can't do this any longer, because I think I was right on that cliff. And I don't think I went over the cliff because I think I was able to reach out to you and go, okay, that's what this is going to look like if you can't get your shit together. I worry that because I've been distracted with my husband's health issues, and I'm so fortunate about the fact that I have in some ways had contracts that have been put on indefinite hold because I am present with him and what needs to be done. And I'm advocating for his medical journey to be one where he is heard and we're getting results, but it is over video, which is challenging. And unless you're advocating and staying right on top of it, you're not able to be heard in the same way that you might if you were sitting there in front of someone and they're, they're looking at you and they're connecting with you. I'm really grateful that I have been able to learn from you and that we have had this really important conversation about at some point you've got to make a choice and how you want to live your life and how you want to show up and what you can control. We both have acknowledged there's so much we couldn't control before and we thought we could. Oh yeah, we thought we could. You have so much grace for yourself and self-compassion, like listening to you. God, I'm impressed. Like I struggle so much with having that kind of that level of compassion for myself still. I mean, today, like it's almost easier for me to theoretically know that I need to give myself grace in these areas than to actually exhale and give myself that grace. So kudos to you, Lisa. Well, I will say it's a lot of conversations with you and it's allowing myself to really take the mask down and for you to see as we take walks and me to go, I'm, I'm losing it. Like I can't, I can't show up. And you are standing there saying, yes, you can. And I'm going to help you show up. And so I hope that you hear from me how impressed I am with you because I do feel like you've walked some of this road before. And even though we put a different label on it and it's COVID-19, you are so centered and you're continuing to ensure that you stay centered. And I so admire that. As we talk about this, it's so interesting to me. And I'm going to like go into my head instead of my heart which is what I always do. And my therapist, should she listen to this, is going to be like, get out of your head. Uh, Tell me how you feel about this. I I do feel like I'm so much more centered, obviously, than when we knew each other before. I mean, like, obviously, I know I'm a different person. As slow as that journey was, I can look back and be like, wow, that old me kind of fucked up. I liked the old you. I love the new you. It's, this, <laughs> it's a transformation. I wouldn't not, I would not dismiss who you were. You were smart and articulate and driven and really capable, really capable of running circles around a lot of people around you. Thank you. I also recognize that the old me, when I see those Karens fucking losing their shit in the grocery store, that's where I lived all the time. Like I was so taught. I was just on the edge all the time. So bitter. So I get that. So she had some charm. Like I'll give old me that. There's some good stuff in there, but dang, she was ready to pop (laughs) at all times. Just go off. So like I've, and I've been on this journey and, and so things are different, but I find myself 
moving back into that space of not enough. Like I'm not doing enough and I haven't achieved enough. As I sit back in my head and (laughs) watch that happen, I see like, it's almost like we're at like our curves of, of our lives are like not intersecting. Like as you're getting coped out and like having more grace and self-compassion, I'm like starting to get like riled up and kind of buying more into that societal idea of what my life should look like. So that's just totally interesting to me. And I'm like, and my mind is just buzzing. Like, what is that about? Like, what is that pressure starting to feel like? And the answer that comes to the top of my mind is that it's my kids. My kids are growing up and my kids are decentering as the purpose of my day. And it's like, I've found myself back where I was when I first left my job, which was, who am I? So it's like, there's a deeper level of work to do. I did a lot of work when I left paid work. Like I did a lot of internal work. I figured a lot of stuff out. My kids were my first priority. And I centered them in a way that I hadn't centered them before when I worked outside of the home. But that also allowed me to put a purpose in there that didn't center myself. And I think the healthiest women center themselves and put themselves first. And so that, like, that's the next part of my journey is I've got to really learn how to center myself and not You know, Lisa and I, we joke about how we have always been the rhythm section. Um, We support everybody and that it's time to set up, step up to the mic and be the lead singers and how difficult that is. And I guess that's just when I'm kind of grappling and understanding in real time as we're having this conversation. (laughs) I am overwhelmed with emotion right now that you would be grappling with your center being who you are because I see it show up all the time and I have often said (laughs) what would Elizabeth do and how can I be more like Elizabeth I think that you have put in place ways to continue to be centered and it's reading and it's your writing and it's your oracle practice that you don't charge for coaching, but you do all the time in every interaction that you have. You can't help but help someone else and to see them and to hear them. And you do it from a very authentic, heart-driven way. And I'm so impressed with you. I, I, um, I think that you can't see the impact that you make on other people as much as I can see how much you've influenced just my life. And I know there's so many others, what you're doing and what you've done to evolve van wares during COVID is amazing. You have promoted small businesses in our community. You have created opportunities to demonstrate our pride of our town. There were huge gaps and no one was doing that. And you've stepped in to do that. You are moving Trust Tree forward at a pace that sometimes is uncomfortable. And that is exactly the right pace for us to be moving at. We are podcasting. You are the last person to want to put a microphone (laughs) in front of your mouth and uh, off the cuff have a conversation about a topic. And yet 
I love listening to our podcast because I love hearing the truth that you speak when we talk. And I just hope that you're going to take a few minutes to think about all that we've accomplished, even in just in the last year and the impact that you've had that includes your children's success and the purpose and center around your family. And it also includes the success that you have had just Elizabeth, not Elizabeth, a part of Team Holmes. And there's been so much over the last year. And yet you're maintaining reading, you're maintaining your walks because they're so important to your health and your ability to stay centered. You're killing it. I so appreciate all all your words. I mean, I appreciate your support and it's something I have to work on. You will appreciate this because I just need to come clean that van wares for me is my community service. Like I hate serving on boards and commissions and I've done that and I know that I hate that. So this was my way of giving something back to the community where I didn't have to do like a performance evaluation for an executive director. (laughs) I get to talk to artists and get people excited about Vancouver. So what I know to be the difference in Elizabeth from maybe the 2000s till now is that you would have tried to fit into the box of serving on boards to serve our community. And instead, you've reinvented what it means to be able to fill a gap within our community and to give back. And that is your power. That is your awesomeness. And you're doing it in everything you touch. And that's what I'm so impressed about. We're doing it together with Trust Tree. And so much of this is you and you showing up authentically and reinventing the way in which we work together and we help others. Who would have thought a year ago we would be talking about a podcast? That is the last thing I would have been thinking (laughs) would be something that we would do. But we have made a commitment to each other to continue to challenge each other and to be uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, I know we've talked about this and with Trustry, I think about my motivation when we started talking, when we reconnected and what this would be like was I wanted to create something so somebody who was in my situation didn't have to feel as alone and unheard as I felt for so many years, not just, you know, when my crisis happened or whatever, but that wherever you were at on the path, if you felt like you just needed a safe space or even just some validation or some normalization, I guess is really the word that I would have benefited from that. If I had known that our paths aren't linear if someone had told me that it's all over the map, that it's so complex and you, you've got all your relationships, you've got your career, you've got you know, whatever you're doing for you. And I think I'd been sold the bill of goods that it was just going to be this upward trajectory and there wouldn't be a moment where I was filled with self-doubt or that I would just always have more and more confidence. I would always build on that, always be moving forward. And, you know, life just isn't like that. And if I could have known and had someone to have a conversation with to say these feelings of self-doubt are totally normal, you know, imposter syndrome, totally normal. I mean, we just started talking about imposter syndrome a few years ago, but it's been around for forever. And some of what I noticed is it's, 
that women our age have kind of a different experience. And like when we talked to Betty Sue and she talked about her, you know, really groundbreaking, she hates the word feminist, but you know, really feminist actions of being, you know, running for office and even getting like the first divorce there was such a societal, she just knew and it was different in that she didn't feel like there was this go girl culture. Like there wasn't like this huge, you know, movement of in supporting her. She just felt like that's what she needed to do. It seems like her and, uh, and other women in, in her age group who were sort of that first line woman who were breaking the barriers and doing it first didn't feel the same. I think it's because they weren't expected to do it, that every step forward was so amazing and unprecedented and unexpected that there was uh, support and celebration and, and that was enough. And I feel like the women that came behind them were expected from day one, like you can do anything. Like all these women went before you and broke that glass ceiling. So you know, there is no glass ceiling and, you know, you can't be a nurse. You need to be a doctor. Like you need to do it all and have it all and have Pinterest worthy birthday parties for your kids while you're, you know, vice president of a consulting firm, which consulting sucks life out of you. Like side note, asterisk, it does. Uh, it's a whole nother conversation. And you have to have this amazing partnership, you know, where you have a flourishing relationship that feeds everyone. And while you're doing your community service, like we were just like, here's this full plate. You've got to do every freaking element of your life has to be amazing. Where Betty Sue got to just have a great career. And she's, vocal about having regrets about raising her children and not being there for her children because she was focused on her career. But she wasn't really demonized because she didn't have Pinterest parties and, you know, her relationship wasn't really up for discussion. I feel like the pressures on us were so myriad at every level, you know, your physical, your mental, your career, your relationships. The bar has been so high. For so long and um, how freeing it would have been to just have a woman friend, a contemporary say like, yeah, this is fucked up. Like this is impossible and this is fucked up. But instead I always felt like it was like a competition that you needed to like not let the mask slip, that it was hard to stay up till 1am to make cupcakes that look like SpongeBob or like whatever your, your deal is. But I felt like when we reconnected, you were the contemporary that was like, oh, yeah, side note, everything we've been putting ourselves through was pretty fucked up and we should have backed up a little bit and, and been supportive. So that was a gift to me. You're a gift to me. What <laughs> is so interesting in this conversation and surprising is that I have felt like I'm the one taking I'm the one taking from you because you are the one breathing life into me during a time when it was so incredibly lonely. And all I kept trying to do was keep the mask up and act like this is the life I've always wanted. And I think what I admired about your step to say, 
I'm done with this. I'm not doing it anymore. I'm doing it different. Gave me permission to recognize I don't have to live somebody else's life. I can live my life. But what is it? I don't know what I want. And I think we're still trying to determine what it is we want. But I know I want something different. And I want something more. And it's got to feel right. And so long, it's been about just figure out how to make it look like it is right, whether it is or isn't. Yeah. And I think that's my biggest lesson has been pretending like I am doing everything I'm supposed to do means none of my relationships are authentic. They just aren't. They can't be, including the most important ones in my life. And so it takes my eight-year-old to tell me that I'm not showing up present, that (laughs) it's okay for us not to live in a several thousand square foot house because she'd rather I be there to pick her up from school. Yikes. And I know you've had those moments too. That, that's a hard awakening. And um, I had no one to talk to about it because they were either moms that stayed at home or they were career moms that were at work and neither could I be vulnerable with because I didn't necessarily feel like what was going to work for me was an either or it was a both and can I be both because I am both how do I show up and be both I think the beauty of the slowdown that we were forced into just looking at the silver lining of a situation that's incredibly difficult is that you do get to decide moving forward what you keep and what you let go of and what your priorities are. And it's so easy to get caught up in, I don't know, it's just like our whole society. I mean, I'm not going to get into like discussing capitalism or consumerism or the merits of that system. It is the system that we're in. And I know I still am very susceptible to shoulds. Uh, what my life should look like and how I should behave and that I enjoy the pace that's enforced with COVID. Honestly, it's a pace that works for me, but I feel compelled as we come out of this, whenever we do come out of this, that, you know, the pace needs to speed up again and there needs to be more. You know, as we reflect on the conversations that we had in our first season of the podcast, so many of those conversations are around this catalytic moment of realization. I'm not going to do it this way. I'm going to make a choice to do it this other way. And I'm going to recognize that there's trade-offs for that. And I, I think there's loneliness in that. As I think back to each of those conversations that we had, I felt that it may not have been a word that we were able to verbalize. And you and I've talked about that word lonely because it has an emotional reaction and it's sad. It is real. And it is the difference that trust tree has tried to provide because it's what you and I needed. Like that is at the heart of exactly what was missing was someone that you could talk to and you could give yourself permission to do something different. We heard it from Courtney who talked about, aren't you lucky that you get to do whatever it is that she's saying yes to and that it's a choice. It's a choice that we each make. And I hope that in this moment of COVID, as we reemerge, that we're going to make choices that are different and that 
feel different and look different because we have the opportunity as a society, as a community to reset. And I'm not interested in being in the car an hour every day to head down to Portland to meet with a client. I'm not going to do that anymore. And I'm not interested in the way in which I showed up every day and put on the jacket and felt like I needed to, you know, how much time did I spend getting ready to get in the car for an hour commute to go meet with someone for 45 minutes? You know, I just think that because we've been in this pause, in this timeout, that we can all make some changes. And I hope that we'll honor that we each are going to make changes that feel right to them. And that if there is this continued feeling of trying to create your own identity and feeling alone, that we can provide the opportunity to at least hear others and and not come up with a solution for them, but just provide an opportunity to be heard and to be seen. Yeah. Because I remember Courtney said she lost friendships over you know, these changes, people couldn't be supportive or, you know, probably there was an element of envy that people just can't really metabolize and move on with the friendship. That's sad. I I would love, you know, as Trust Tree grows to be that place. When you make a decision to live your life outside of the box in a way that's truer to you, that you can find a place where women are like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what you should be doing. Like, look at you. Good for you not, oh, that must be nice, or you're so lucky, just good for you. You worked hard, you did the work to figure out what you needed to do, and you went and did it. And for me, thinking over the first season, one of the things that stood out the most to me was Beth Harrington's interview, where she talked about touring with Jonathan Richmond and watching him do his Jonathan Richmond thing, so true to himself, night after night, not for commercial success, not um, to be popular, but like there was a creative force moving through him that he needed to get out into the world. And some people probably thought it was weird. It wasn't everybody's cup of tea, but it was transcendent to watch somebody convey their essence into the world through art. And I just been thinking about how I could do that. I mean, she went on and made films that conveyed her interests, her, her essence and put those out into the world. And, and that's an amazing, beautiful thing. And if we can all just find that gift to channel out into the world, not necessarily for commercial success, but just for um, fulfillment to, to make our lives richer and deeper and our connections. Cause he was connecting with the people that were into it, they totally felt what he was doing. And that's connection is imperative to our health. It's, it's our core need as humans. And as we have talked about, loneliness is the true epidemic in our society right now. And anything that I can do to alleviate that loneliness for someone or something is a blessing. We also have to honor the transformation that happens within each of us. So Courtney is leaving, physically leaving, and has friends who have physically kind of left. You and I have talked about this concept of clearing the deck. Billy Best got in the car and drove. It is on each of us to be able to see other people around us who might be struggling and to lift them 
in a way that honors where they are right now, not where they're trying to be and not where they've been, but where they are. And you did that for me in a way that I needed to have someone say it's okay. And my instinct is always to clear the deck. And it's so much harder to see other people continuing to grow and change as their dreams and their experiences leverage the opportunity to do something different. And it's hard. And that is really something that I hope we can do for each other with Trustry. So our lives have shifted and we know all of yours have too. And we'll be spending this season exploring how a new normal might unfold and adding tools to our toolbox for coping and growing in this new chapter for all of us. We are uncomfortable and we are continuing to be uncomfortable. Our season two is going to leverage the lessons that we learned from those that we interviewed and the conversations that we've had. And we are committed to continuing to be uncomfortable as we redefine what life post COVID looks like for us. And it will not be the same And we're okay with that because in that moment of change comes opportunities for meaningful growth. 